give you a couple of announcements uh, and just updates on different things that we have going on and scheduling. Uh, as you may be curious, uh, we had our very first uh, community night at Augusta Christian Academy this past Wednesday night. Uh, I say, Pastor, we've done that before, uh, but we had our very first one at the school. And uh, you may have seen pictures on Facebook. We had one classroom that was open and ready and ready to receive families. So that took place this past Wednesday evening. And I had about 10 families that came. Several had already enrolled and several were curious. We did have a family that enrolled that night, uh, enrolled their preschooler and uh, several other asking questions. So we're excited about that. Uh, we did have a uh, big thing take place this past week. And we've been praying about our music department and what to do and uh, how to involve. And uh, one of our contacts at the school uh, encountered a family that was looking for a brand new home for their uh, baby grand Yamaha piano. And so uh, this family donated the piano uh, to the school. And I got to see it yesterday in the schoolhouse, and it is beautiful and uh, very, very thankful. Uh, it's almost like God wants us to start, start a school. And so uh, I, once again, over and over and over, God keeps showing us his handiwork uh, at the school, and we're very, very thankful for that. And so be tuning in, uh, watching online, listening for updates, and uh, we'll give you some over the next several weeks, hoping to have a ribbon cutting uh, in little less in three weeks, and uh, a lot of our uh, officials will be there, and our board will be there, and families will be there on a Friday morning, and we'll let you know uh, when we get a little bit closer uh, for that, so you can be there and be excited with us, and then we have our very first open house, Lord willing, a whole school building will be ready to be open uh, at the end of this month, so we have a lot to do and a short amount of time to get it done, uh, but we are excited about all that the Lord is doing uh, for the school. Uh, next week, not tomorrow, but next week, all of our kids will be going to camp. And so that's right around the corner and parents are saying, thank God. Uh, but our camp, uh, junior and teen camp, we've never done that before, uh, but juniors and teenagers will be going the exact same week together to the same place. You should probably pray for all the workers. And so uh, they're all going to the wilds and say, Pastor, that sounds expensive. Oh, yes, uh, it is, but it is worth it. So uh, if you have any questions about, say, maybe you want to sponsor a child to go to camp, uh, we have strategically given each one of our campers, juniors and teens, a break in the price to make it more affordable for families families uh, because we believe in camp. Uh, we believe in sending our kids to an environment that is away from television, that is away from their iPhone, uh, that is away from the internet, and that is away from social media to literally unplug for a whole week and let God speak into that void. And so we are taking our kids to camp. And if you have any questions about sponsoring a teenager or a junior, uh, we have a meeting right after the service this morning. Going to hand out paperwork for details. You should have received information about that. Uh, but we are excited about camp. Uh, my dad got saved at camp. I met my wife at camp. And uh, so all kinds of major life-changing decisions. Uh, Michelle's life was changed dramatically at camp because she got me. And uh, for better or for worse, for better or for worse. Uh, so we're excited about camp. And uh, please be in prayer for that uh, as our kids are going to camp next Monday through Saturday that God will speak to them. And uh, from junior age all the way up to teenage that God will, we have 40 going to camp uh, this summer. And so we're excited. Workers going with us. And 
uh, looking forward to that. And then this coming Wednesday night, midweek family service. Midweek, you may have seen something about this, heard about this. We're excited about our midweek family service that takes place this coming Wednesday night. We're going to have our kids in here with us and say, Pastor, you are planning for chaos. Absolutely. And we are looking forward to it, embracing it, embracing the different. And so we're going to have our kids help us lead worship. Over the summer, uh, on Wednesday evenings during the service, you'll see that, whether you're here in person or online. Uh, but we'll have our kids help us lead worship. Our kids will be helping us uh, take prayer requests. Our kids will be involved in the service as far as the message time. And literally just trying to give our families an opportunity to worship together. You think about Sunday morning, our kids are in Safe House. Sunday night, they have their growth group. Wednesday night, they have master clubs. This is a golden opportunity for us to worship together as a family and have us worship the Lord together with your children. So I hope that you'll take plans. Please don't be that family that says, well, they don't have kids stuff, so we're not coming. Hey, we have kids stuff. Uh, we want you to worship the Lord together with your family this summer on Wednesday evenings here at 630 at Crossroads. So I hope that you'll take advantage of that. As we continue in our series, we're going to continue the thought from Psalm 92, and we're going to jump into Psalm 93 this morning. And as we do that, uh, Psalm 92 ended with a contrast between the wicked and remember, the evil people were compared to the grass that was withering, and the righteous were compared to the tree that bore fruit. But this psalm gives us a glimpse into what we as believers already know. In Psalm 93, the focus is on the Lord who is in charge. The Lord who is in charge. And it reminds us what we already know. God has always been the ruler. God has always been the one behind the scenes in control no matter what happens. The world might not acknowledge his authority, but we know it to be true. We know that God is the one <clears throat> does not change the fact that God is and is is and has been watching over all things. And the application today is very simply for you to ask yourself the question, is he the Lord of my life? Is he the one who is in control of me? For some, that may be surrendering him to salvation, uh, to accept the call that he has in your life as to be your Lord and Savior. For some, it, uh, for others, it may be simply saying, hey, I have wandered away from the Lord and this is my time to recommit and to re-up and uh, to re-surrender to him. And so whatever that is, I want you to look at Psalm 93, just five verses this morning. Uh, look at Psalm 93 as a simple way of asking yourself the question, is he the Lord of your life? Uh, the missionary Hudson Taylor said this, Christ is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. Christ is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. So this morning, let's look at Psalm 93 in verse number 1 and let's look at some of these things together. Let's, let's read the passage for context and then we'll pray and jump right in. Verse number 1 says, The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thy house, O Lord, forever. Forever. Uh, let's pray together uh, this morning and then dive right in. Father, we thank you so much for your word and thank you for the applicational truths of your word. Uh, Lord, I ask that you please help each of us to search our hearts and lives and ask ourselves the question, if you are the Lord overseeing our life. 
Lord, we know that you look down and you see uh, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. We know that you see it all. But Lord, help us to acknowledge you today as Lord of all. Lord, giving you license, Lord, uh, not that you need our permission, uh, Lord, but the fact that you are overall, help us to willfully submit to your plan for our lives. Uh, Lord, for some it may mean salvation. Uh, Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Lord, help them to come to you today. Help today to be their day of salvation. And then, Lord, for those who may be saying, hey, I'm not sure, or maybe I've walked away, or uh, there's been a time period of doubt and defeat and discouragement, uh, Lord, help them to come home today. Lord, I ask that you please be with those who are watching online and may not be in the room. Lord, help them to ask themselves the same question. Lord, I ask that you please speak to my heart. And Lord, please cleanse me of sin and help me to be clean as I preach your word to your people. And Lord, help that me to myself submit myself to your plan for my life. Lord, we love you so much and thank you, praise you for who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down number one, the supremacy the supremacy that we see. The first phrase in verse number one when it talks about the Lord reigneth is the Hebrew phrase Yehovah Malach. And it means the existing one is king. The existing one is king. It's referring to a God who has always existed. But what does it point to? Uh, number one, first subpoint is the control. The control. Uh, he's the same one that we see in Genesis who created all things. In Genesis 1.1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And uh, chapter 1 of Genesis and verse number 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. In the New Testament, John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. In verse 3, all things were made by Him. Who? The Word. The Word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He was over and before all things. It says, without Him was not anything made that was made. So when we see the very first verse in the Bible that points to a Creator, we understand that He is ultimately the one who is in control of all things. He's the one who is over all things. He is in control of all things. And he's the one since the very beginning of time who has been the one creating everything with a sense of order. With a sense of order and purpose. And he even does that in our lives today. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. His, his plan, his handiwork is evident in our lives today. He delighteth in his way, the steps of a good man. He desires to control, not in the sense of control that we would shudder from or we would run away from, but he attempts to desire, he wants to lead and guide and be the one who is overseeing our lives, not to micromanage us, but to give us hope and confidence and assurity that he is the one in charge of all things. We see the control, but then number two, we see the clothing that's mentioned. Look back at verse number one. The Lord reigneth, he is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The clothing of the Lord is his majesty, it's his strength. Psalm 104 and verse number one 
says, bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. In the New Testament, we see in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, I can do all things which, through Christ, which strengtheneth me. David said that he is clothed with strength. He is clothed with majesty. He is put on that garment. But think about the contrast between his clothing and our clothing. All right, this morning, think about his clothing, majesty, strength, power, control. And then think about our clothing. You say, well, pastor, what does it say about our clothing? In Isaiah chapter 64 and uh, verse number 6, what does it say about our clothing? It says, but we are all as an unclean thing. Remember, uh, verse number 1 of Psalm 93, honor, strength, majesty, righteousness, all of those things compared to ours. We are an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. There is no honor and strength. There is no majesty. There is no goodness. There is no righteousness that we wear in ourselves. Isaiah chapter number one says, though your sins be as scarlet. Hey, when God looks down at us, he sees, he sees a sinful man. When God looks down at mankind, he doesn't see good things. He sees bad things. He sees impurities imperfections, the result of sin in our heart and life. Our sin has marred us, has damaged us, has defeated us. But because of him, because of the clothing of his strength and righteousness, he desires to put a new garment on us. He desires to clothe us with his righteousness. And see, a transaction has to take place for that to take place. A transaction, a, a giving and receiving See, he's offered us a great gift, but you are not eligible for the gift until you receive the gift. You cannot have salvation until you reach out and receive what he is offering to you. See, it does you no good until you receive it. See, it's good to know about Jesus. That's awesome. But until you receive Jesus as your personal Savior, salvation does you no good. It's good to know about God and about the things of God. But until you have him as your personal savior and you have accepted the transaction that was paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ on your behalf, salvation does you no good. Salvation is something that you simply know about, but it doesn't apply to you. See, salvation is a transaction, a giving of the gift and a receiving by the recipient. It's just like changing a garment. Uh, Eric's out here and he's wearing a, a very nice jacket uh, this morning. I'm going to ask him to come up uh, this morning. Uh, and you think about a garment, when you take something off and you put something on, uh, you are making a conscious choice. You are making a decision. And, and this morning, I, I like the fact that Eric and I are the same size. This makes this illustration so good. Uh, but uh, think about a giving and receiving. Uh, let's imagine for illustration's sake that Eric is the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine for this morning that Eric is Jesus and he says, hey, I've got this nice clean jacket. I've got this nice clean jacket and you have a red jacket. Though our sins be as scarlet, scarlet. Hey, they shall be white as snow, as close as I can get. Uh, but you think about that transaction and Jesus comes and says, hey, let's trade. I'll take yours 
And see, the thing is, uh, Jesus doesn't just take ours and say, have a great life. Uh, This is not what Jesus does. Jesus says, I'll take what is yours and I'll wear what's yours. But why did he go to the cross? He who bore our sins on the cross. He took upon our sin, took it upon himself, became in the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, our sin, our sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. See, he took what we deserved and he took, and in that transaction, he exchanged what we had and he gave us what he has. This is warm. This is nice. And, uh, But he took what we had and he bore our sin and said, I'll give you my righteousness. That's what, hey, that's why we get so excited when we talk about Jesus. That's why we get so excited when we talk about salvation. Because he took what we deserved and he gave us what we do not deserve. He gave us salvation. He gave us forgiveness. He gave us redemption, y'all. He gave us salvation. He said, you know what? I've got enough to go around. And I'm going to share it with other people. But he took our sin and our place. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. All right? No, you might not get it. Yeah, that's right. And so I told you this morning I want that back. Uh, But the question is today, can he and you, can you still recognize the transaction? Do you still acknowledge that a transaction took place? Or have we taken his garment and have we dirtied up his garment? See, he gave us a clean garment. He gave us his righteousness. But are we keeping it clean? Are we keeping it the way in which it was intended to look? Are we keeping it clean? We see the clothing. We see, uh, number one, the control. Then number three, we see the continuance. Look at verse number two. The Bible says, thy throne is established of old. Verse number one, it says, the world is established. But in verse number two, it says, thy throne is established. Thou art from everlasting. See, God's empire, his ruling is older than the stars. He was here long before the world began. And he'll be here long after the world is gone. He is the one in control. Some believe this psalm is a glimpse into the future. It's a glimpse into what is happening and what will be when Jesus is reigning on earth. And it's talking about his ultimate reign over everything. It says, thy throne is established before the world began. Thou art from everlasting. But it shows us that he never gave up his title as Lord. He has not one time set down the mantle as the Lord of all things. Even when he came to this earth, he was still Lord over all. He was still the Lord of all. He's always been God. He's the one who created it and established it, placed it in order in verse number 1. But his throne was here before the world was. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 9, it says, Who had saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Titus 1 verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Psalm 147 verse 3 through 5, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the name of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is 
infinite. There is truly no one like him. No one like him before and no one like him since. Blaise Pascal said, the greatest single distinguishing feature of the omnipotence of God is that our imagination gets lost thinking about it. The greatest, single greatest distinguishing feature of the omnipotence of God is that our imagination gets lost thinking about it. The supremacy. There is no one above him. And this morning, ask yourself, is he the Lord of my life? Is he the one who is over me? Have I submitted myself to his plan for my life? But then number two, we see the strain. The strain. Not everyone is excited about this supremacy. Not everyone is in submission to his plan. And we see in verse 3 and 4, if this psalm is about the end of time when uh, Jesus is reigning, then the flood of waters is a force that is coming to stand against him in his leadership. We see the threats in verse number 3. It says, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods, the floods, the waters, the waves. They've lifted up their voice. They lift up their waves. And this could be talking about the Gentile nations that are mentioned in the book of Isaiah. Chapter number 17, verse 12 and 13. Because it ties together nicely. It says, woe to the multitude of many people which make a noise like the noise of the seas. And to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rush of many waters. The nations shall rush like the rushing of many waters. But God shall rebuke them. And they shall flee afar off. And shall be chased as the chaff of the mountains before the wind. Like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. See, they can threaten. They can rise up. But they cannot overcome the one who's in control of all things. They cannot overtake him. They're no match. Think about Imagine, uh, have you ever noticed a smaller kid who wants to arm wrestle everybody? Hey, let's arm wrestle. Let's arm wrestle. I can beat anybody. And that small kid goes up to the biggest kid on the playground and says, Hey, I I can arm wrestle anybody. I can beat you. And that arm wrestle, hey, it might might be a back and forth battle, but we all know what's going to happen. That smallest kid versus that biggest kid there is going to be a reckoning and an understanding that that younger, smaller, less strong, weaker individual is no match ultimately for that bigger, more powerful individual. It is going to happen eventually. And that child, can, that kid can run his mouth all he wants to, but we all know what's going to happen. He's no match for the bigger kid. And it's the same way with God. See, the nations can roar and they can chirp and they can say whatever they want to. But at the end of the day, God knows they're no match for him. And we should know and acknowledge, hey, there's people out in our world today that can run their mouth all they want to. They can say whatever they want to. They can defy him all they want to. But we all know the truth. One day that group is going to bow to him. One day that group is going to submit to him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, giving him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, it doesn't matter how, how loud the world chirps right now. Everyone will bow their knee to him. As one old preacher said, you can either bow here or you can bow there. But you and I both, we're going to bow. 
And people say, well, I'm never giving. I'm never going to receive that. I'm never going to believe that. We all become believers eventually. But God has given you an opportunity today. God has given us an opportunity in this life. What will we do with it? Jeremy Taylor said, God hath given man a short time here upon earth. And yet upon this short time, eternity depends. God has given us a very short, brief moment. In light of eternity, our life is nothing. Our life, 70, 80, 90 years, is nothing in light of eternity. Forever. But it's upon this time that God has given you that your entire eternity rests on what you do with Jesus while you're here. While you're here. And you can say, well, you know, Pastor, I'll, I'll believe that when I'm, when I'm older, when I'm a grandpa, or uh, when, my, when I have kids, or uh, when I get out of school. But none of us are promised tomorrow. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. You have to look at eternity like it's now or never. It's now or never. What will you do with Jesus? We see, uh, number one, the threats. But then number two, in verse four, we see the truth. The truth that is mentioned. They might talk, but it doesn't change the truth. Their talk is just noise. Look at verse number four. The Lord is on high is mightier than the noise. Than the noise. And not just that he's higher than the waters. He's higher than the noise of the waters. The fact that these people are pressing. These people are talking. The people are denying. The people are defying. Is irrelevant compared to his power. It is noise. It's not even action compared to him. Uh, these are people who will try and accuse God of all things. Losing control when they see all you know that's bad. is just an indicator that God's losing control. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. God is just as powerful and in control as he always has been. Always has been. Uh, one, one commentator put it this way. Suppose you bought a complex piece of machinery. When it was installed, you were given an operator's manual and warned to read it and follow instructions carefully because the manufacturer's liability and warranty would be voided if you did not do as instructed. Instead of heeding the manual, however, you threw it away. Say you were not going to be told how to run this equipment. So you went ahead, you did it your way, and you ruined the machine. Then you blame the manufacturer for making such a poor job of that expensive piece of equipment. That is just what people are doing in the world today. When God made the world, he sent along some instructions as to how things should be done. Like so many others... They choose not to read God's manual, the Bible. Things are very evidently in terrible shape in this world. But don't blame God. Blame yourself. See, God has given us an instruction manual. But how often do we open its pages and read the instructions? Hey, the Bible is not like those instructions on Christmas Eve, early Christmas morning. Men, you understand what I'm talking about? Those bicycles, uh, those playhouses. Hey, I, I, man, I got the picture on the box. I'm good. Hey, it's easy for you to say you're good until step 73. <laughs> and you realize you skip step 20 through 40. Because the picture looks so easy. Isn't that how we live our lives? We're looking at the picture of somebody else. Say, hey, I can do that. 
I don't need the Bible. Hey, I can do exactly what they're doing. Until you realize what they've been willing to sacrifice to get to where they are. Hey, read the instructions. Read the instructions. See, the wicked look at our problems and say, man, they get, what, I don't want that. But what did Psalm 92 last week? Psalm 92 verse 6. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth the fool understand. What does the fool say? The fool has said in his heart, there's no God. He said, hey, I don't need that. I don't, that doesn't apply to me. But the same rules apply to all of us. We see the, the threats, the tests, and then number three, we see the trying. Knowing that they're not going to win doesn't stop them from trying. Verse number four, the Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Waves come in and out, again and again, back and forth. It's constant, back and forth. When you go to the beach, you hear the noise of the water, that soft sound, that soothing sound, that relaxing sound, back and forth. But you can see the waves in action, but you don't feel the force of the waves until you get in the water. That's when you feel, man, this is, this is pretty intense. You, know, you feel that pull against your body as you're in the waves. You feel that back and forth. But you know, as you're standing there, you're not just seeing the effect, you're feeling the effect. But then as you're standing in the ocean, you're feeling that effect. You look out in the water and you see a boat go by. You see a boat that travels by. Now, they see the exact same thing that you see. To somewhat, they feel the exact same thing that you feel. But there's a difference. See, they're in something that allows them an extra layer of protection that you don't have in the water. They see it. They feel it. But because of what they're in, they're not affected by it the way that you are outside the boat. You know, that's a lot like being in Christ. See, you can be in the water and you can be in the world and, man, you feel the full force and effect of the wave. The, the noise, you hear it. The, the mighty wave, you feel it. But when you get in Christ, in the boat, the waves don't feel the same. There's something. There is now a barrier in between you and the mighty ocean. And as powerful as that is, remember, there's a captain on board. There's a captain on board that vessel who knows the ocean, who knows the effect of the waves in your life and in mine. And all we're required to do is trust the captain, to trust the one who knows. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Now thanks be to God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. In Christ, and maketh manifest or reveals the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. This morning, are you in Christ? We see the supremacy, he's over all things. We see the strain, the wicked push against, but then lastly, we see the surety. David ends this psalm with a thought to what he's sure of. He's sure of two things. Number one, he's sure of the testimony. The things that, these things that he has said, he's proclaimed. He says in verse 5, thy testimonies are very sure. Hey, I'm confident in what you've said. You know, we can have confidence in his word. The things that he has said. Hey, they're going to happen. Oh, oh, pastor, they haven't happened yet. That doesn't mean that they're not going to happen. It just means it hasn't happened yet. 
It just means, hey, we're going to lunch eventually when the pastor gets done. We're going to lunch. Hey, might not be right now, but it's going to happen, I promise you, because I'm getting ready to be done, because uh, I'm going to lunch too. But it will happen. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that it won't happen. And he is coming. His testimony. Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. But what's the contrast between his words and ours? What are our words compared to his? James 1.19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Why? Because our words get us in trouble. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Uh, Proverbs 15, verse number 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Proverbs 10, 19, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Why does the Bible talk so much about our words? Because our words get us in trouble. Yes? Our words get us in trouble. Uh, Let me ask you, in contrast, comparison, do God's words ever get him in trouble? No. No. Because his testimonies are sure. His words are right. James 3, 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. It's our words. But what are we doing to put our words into submission to him? What are we doing? Do you have a filter? Say, Pastor, I'm sitting next to my filter. Uh, You better have a better one than that. You know, what can you do to make sure that your words are consistent to him? We see, number one, the testimony, but then number two, we see the temple, the temple that's mentioned. David concludes with talking about his house, his temple. But what was it that's on full display at his house? Look at, again at verse number five. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Uh, let holiness, holiness. Uh, his holiness is on display at his house. But let's look at that today. Where is the temple of God today? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? What is it in our life that reflects His holiness? What is it about us that showcases who He is? Is it our words? Is it our actions? What is it about us? Are we showing off? See, if I came in here this morning... And I saw all the chairs messed up and out of order. And I went back to the bathrooms and there was trash coming out of the trash cans. And there was all this dismay and disorder. We had, we had a, a safe house, our kids' ministry, a big blowout yesterday with all families and had almost 100 people here. If I came in, man, there's still remnants of food left over from yesterday and all this stuff. I would want to know who didn't clean up. Uh, what, uh, what, what are we paying a cleaning company for? Hey, why is this stuff out of order? I would want to know why the building has not been properly cleaned. And and yet I wonder how many times God wonders why his building has not been properly cleaned. I'm not talking about this building. I wonder how many times God wonders why his building, this building, has not been properly cleaned. On, on the way coming into church in the morning, when you got that fight and that argument, 
And when we know that we haven't prepared our heart for worship, and we come in and act like everything's good, and we gloss over the fact that, hey, I, I can be one way in front of my church friends, and I can be totally different when I'm away from this place. That's not good. Hey, I wonder if God wonders why His building, His temple, has not been properly cleaned. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble, by, trouble you, and thereby many, many be defiled. Hey, are we taking care of God's building? Say, Pastor, why the big deal? Why do we even have to worry about that? Here's the final question. If people will make a decision for God based on what they see in us, will they ever come to Him? If people, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, if they'll make a decision for God based on what they see in you, based on what they see in me, will they ever come to Him? Do they see a difference? Do they see a desire? Do they see something bubbling inside of you? Do they see holiness in the temple that God has placed in your heart and life? Do they see something different? Hey, church, He is the King of kings whether you acknowledge it or not. And one of these days, we will all acknowledge His supremacy. But I can promise you this. If you wait until that day to acknowledge it, It doesn't get better for you. It gets worse. We're a whole lot better acknowledging His supremacy today as Savior and Lord of all. Hudson Taylor, He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. What is He in your life? Is He the supreme leader of your life? Is He the Lord over all things today? Hey, it's time for self-inventory, self-examination. Is He the Lord of your life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. As we prepare for our time of invitation, our team is moving, our personal workers are getting in place, and we're going to sing in just a moment. But let me ask you this Is He the Lord of your life? Has there been a time in your life that you have submitted your heart to Him? Is He the Lord? Of your life. Maybe you're here this morning or watching online and you say, Pastor, I I don't know that that can be said about my heart and life. I don't know that my sins are forgiven. I don't know if Jesus died, that He's my Lord and Savior. I I don't know that. Maybe that is your testimony today. Uh, Could I challenge you this morning to talk to the Lord or maybe talk to someone here who will show you what the Bible says about getting that settled? Maybe you need a resurrender moment. Maybe you just need to come back home, come back to him. But would you acknowledge what he's doing in your heart and life? Maybe you're here and say, Pastor, I don't know that my sins have been forgiven. I don't know if I died, I'd be on my way to heaven. I don't know that. Hey, I'd like to pray for you this morning. Nothing more, nothing less. I would like to pray for you. I want to be your friend today. Can I be your friend? You might be visiting. You may be someone who's here who's a member. I don't care. And God doesn't care. God is concerned with your condition of your heart. And in this moment, would you simply acknowledge what he already knows? That you have a need. And that need, Jesus died to meet that need. And if we'll simply surrender ourselves to him and ask him to apply what he did on the cross to our lives, 
He will take off His robe of righteousness and place it on us and forgive us of our sin. Maybe that's you today. Can I pray for you? Maybe you're here in the room and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Please pray for me. I, I don't know that my sins have been forgiven. I don't know if I died, I'd be on my way to heaven. I just don't have that confidence. Is that you? Can I pray for you this morning? Would you simply slip up your hand while no one's looking around? Pastor, please pray for me. I, I, have, I just have a concern. I have a concern about my spiritual condition. And please pray for me. Is that you? I'm looking. I don't want to miss you. But I would like to pray for you. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hand down. Maybe somebody else would say, Pastor, I haven't raised my hand. But I would at least be honest with you. Please be my friend. Pray for me. Don't call my name out. Come, come talk to me. But pray for me. Is that you today? Pastor, please pray for me. I'm not sure. I don't know that if I died, I'd be on my way to heaven. I'm not convinced. Pray for me. Is that you? Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hand down. Salvation is so simple. It's simply surrendering to what he is offering. That's all it is to it. And can I challenge you this morning? Hey, don't leave without talking to someone about your spiritual need. Our personal workers are down front and behind you in the back. And we'd love to talk to you this morning and take the Bible and show you what the Bible says about biblical salvation. About what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I hope that you'll talk to someone this morning before you leave. I'll be standing right down front. If you'd like to speak to someone, we would be honored to talk to you this morning. Christian, if you're here this morning, you need to be praying for those who have raised their hand, indicating their need. But then the second thing, Christian, hey, are you submitting your life every day to him? Is he the Lord of your life? And if he's not, would you take time this morning as we sing in just a moment, and would you acknowledge him as the King of kings and Lord of lords? Would you re-surrender to him? Maybe that involves taking a step in your own heart and life. But would you simply talk to him, acknowledge who he is, the truth, who he already is, but acknowledge who he is in light of your life. And whatever he leads you to do from there on, surrender to him. Submit to his leading. Whatever he wants you to do, do that. Father, please bless our time of invitation. Lord, those who raise their hand, Lord, help them to take a moment and speak to you about their spiritual need. Lord, if there's someone here that needs to speak to someone else. Lord, needs to speak to a personal worker. Lord, help them to realize we're here to help them on their journey with Jesus. Lord, not hold them back, not hinder their relationship, but to help them in this journey. Lord, I ask that you please help us to do business with God. When your word is presented, you expect a response. Lord, I ask that you please help us to respond to what you have shared from your word. Lord, Holy Spirit, please do a work in hearts that only you can do. We love you. And thank you and praise you for what you make available to us in spite of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us, please.